Introducing Jesus is our title today, Mark 1, 4 to 11 is our text. Um, Today is the first Sunday after Epiphany. Uh, The season of Epiphany celebrates the revelation of Jesus to the world. The day of Epiphany, January 6th, is is a traditional day of celebration, celebrating the Magi, the wise men, visiting Jesus. We don't make a big deal of that here. Some places do. Um, The gospel readings from the season of Epiphany follow the first parts of Jesus' ministry. The first Sunday after Epiphany, which is today, we commemorate Jesus' baptism. Most of us are probably very familiar with a lot of the stories of Jesus. Um, Even if we don't know very many of the stories well, we've got a basic idea of his life. It can still be helpful, even if we're very familiar with that, it can still be uh, helpful to think of how Jesus was introduced to the world. The Gospels are in one way, in the, the whole thing, if, if we look at each one of them, they are each one, in, in a way, an introduction of Jesus. Jesus is being introduced to us. We could also narrow down, uh, in each one, an introduction uh, to his life, to the beginning of each of those Gospel books. Um, I mentioned a few weeks ago, if you hear, that, that John has a longer introduction before he gets into telling about Jesus. He's, he's getting to the, the background of who Jesus is as God. Matthew and Luke both begin with genealogies and stories of Jesus' birth. But Mark starts very briefly. He gets into it very quickly. He doesn't say a lot of words of introduction, but we get a lot of details packed into those few words. Um, We may know a lot about Jesus' life and what he taught and what he did, but it still probably doesn't hurt to think of ourselves as being introduced to Jesus through what Mark shares with us in the text today. What characteristics of Jesus is Mark trying to get across to us? And how does that impact our lives? We begin our text several verses, just a few verses, into the first chapter. Mark starts uh, his writing simply by uh, saying that this is the start of the gospel, the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. Then he quotes a couple prophets about a messenger. A messenger who will be preparing the way for the Lord preparing the way for the one that the Lord is sending. Here, we get the theme from those quotations of a voice, of one calling in the wilderness. This is the only real Old Testament quotation that Mark has for us, even though he does at other times uh, draw ideas from the Old Testament. But this is the only real quotation. And, And then he gets to telling us, the story. And so that's where we get to today, as he has talked about the one who is calling in the wilderness to prepare the way for the Lord. Our text today is Mark 1, verses 4 through 11. I'll invite you to stand as I read that this morning. Mark 1, 4 through 11. Reading in Jesus' name. And so... John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside 
And all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist. And he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this word to us this morning. Thank you for this introduction of Jesus and his ministry that Mark uh, wrote so long ago. Thank you for how it introduces who Jesus is and what he would do. And uh, thank you that we can have that today and consider that this morning. And I ask that you would guide us in our hearts and in our minds as we do that. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You can have a seat. I'll invite any kids that want to to come up to the front here. All right. Some of you guys have kind of your regular places here, don't you? <laughs> hey, I'm going to ask you a question here. Who introduced you to Jesus? Do you, know, do you know Jesus? Do you know him? Yeah, you haven't ever seen him, right? But do you pray? Do you ever pray? When you pray, do you talk to him? Yep. Yeah, so if you talk to him, you know him, right? Um, who introduced you to him? Is that a weird question for me to ask? I think he did. Well, it's did? actually kind of hard because... The pastor before you. Oh yeah. But God told him to tell us. Oh yeah. So yeah, because you, I, you were already here in this church before I was here, right? So you heard some from him. And did anybody else tell you about Jesus? Probably my parents. Yeah, I told you, right? <laughs> yeah, your parents. I happen to be his parent, right? One of them. <laughs> yeah, your parents. Maybe some other people in your family too. Maybe grandparents, maybe some other people in the church here. You had have Sunday school teachers, right? So a few different people introduced you to Jesus, right? Uh, what do you know about him? We're not going to tell everything that you know, but what are some things that you know about Jesus? He what? He saved us. Yep. Yeah, so there's, there's a sense of that he did something already. He saved us already. He also will save us to bring us to heaven when, when the end comes, right? What else? Anything else? He died, on the cross. he died on the cross. That's how he did that, right? Yeah, there are a lot of different things that we can tell about Jesus, what he did, and uh, ways that we can get to know him. And today, we're just thinking about how um, Mark starts out telling the story about Jesus and introducing people to him. And that starts with his baptism. We hear about that. So for you today, I just have a little, um, you know, imagining that this is John and Jesus at the river there, the Jordan River. So you can have one of these as you go back to your seats here. Thanks for coming up, guys. You want to hand these out? Oh, hand those out over here. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Well, we're talking this morning about being introduced to Jesus. How does Mark introduce Jesus to us? 
Well, as I mentioned, the preliminary verses set up a brief quotation from prophecy about what would happen in the future. And then Mark spends a few verses introducing, in fact, not Jesus himself first, but the one who would introduce Jesus to the people at that time as Jesus came. So the first part of Mark's introduction of Jesus is introducing the one who would be the the herald, in a sense, announcing his arrival, the one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. So what we might ask here is, what does this man's appearance, his activity, his message, what do they tell us about Jesus? And how does that, how does his, that person, John, Uh, prepare us to be introduced to Jesus. As the prophet said, there would be a voice crying in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. And so then Mark tells us, and so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Now this is, obviously it didn't appear out of nowhere, he had a life. In fact, Luke tells us about his birth as well. But Mark just gets into things, and so he doesn't worry about all those background details. He just says, he appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Um, Just a little later, Mark tells us that this was by the Jordan River. That's the location where John was doing this. Now, this is an area that, without irrigation, is very barren. There's not much that will grow there. There are the flood plains of the Jordan River, which are below sea level, as they are not very far from the Dead Sea. But the landscape gets rocky and mountainous as it moves away from that, up, uh, up from that valley. And the, ri- the water in the river does not come from much of it from rain around there. It comes from rivers that are in places that get more rain, that wash down into that area. Um, this would have been in the area of near Jericho, not far from Jericho. Uh, but John, te- John tells us that um, the, the Apostle John, as he writes, he tells us that it was on the other side of the river, uh, the Jordan River, from Jericho. It was a wilderness. It was a barren place. It was literally a wilderness where not very many people lived. But there's also symbolism in this location as well. Spiritually, when we need to be introduced to Jesus... It happens in a wilderness. You might not always feel that way. We might not always feel like there's a wilderness. Just as a wilderness, a a literal landscape that is a wilderness, might not always feel that way for the few people who have adapted to living there. But if we don't have a good relationship with our Creator, we are living in a wilderness, a spiritual wilderness. The description of this wilderness is highlighted by John's preaching. He was preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The wilderness that we are all in without this message that Mark is delivering to us is a wilderness of sin, rebellion, and its consequences. A life separated from God is a wilderness whether we always recognize it or not. The prophecy from Isaiah said to make straight the paths for the Lord. The way to make straight paths for the Lord in the heart is through repentance. And only God can work this repentance, this straightening the paths in our hearts. As John was preaching, some people's hearts were prepared. 
And they repented. And they were baptized. Luke tells us more, more than Mark tells us here. He tells us that there were others who heard the message who did not repent. But many repented. And that's what Mark is focusing on here. And God gave John such a ministry that those whose hearts were changed and came in repentance were baptized and received forgiveness from their sins. The relationship between John's ministry of baptism and what we, we read just briefly uh, later uh, on in the Gospels of Jesus' disciples doing some baptizing and what Jesus instructed his followers to do when he went back to heaven, the relationship between those different acts of baptism is, is a little bit uncertain. But even just this short phrase from Mark tells us that those who in the wilderness saw their sin, repented, and came to God in repentance, were forgiven. They received forgiveness of sins through that. John's ministry of baptism, of baptism, as he is introducing Jesus, tells us that the whole purpose of the ministry, both his and Jesus, is for the forgiveness of sins. It focuses our attention on everything that Jesus does. That's, that's the purpose, the forgiveness of sins. There's something else that we can see about being introduced to Jesus as we continue. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. All the people. Now, obviously, Mark is dealing with a little bit of exaggeration here. I mean, I don't think we're, we're going to imagine that all of the towns of Judea and the whole city of Jerusalem was empty because every single person had come out of that place to go to see John. But there were so many people coming out from that, from that city, from those surrounding villages, to hear him preach that it certainly felt like it. There were so many crowds coming out. That, that Mark could say this. Everybody, everybody was coming out to see him. There were so many coming out that it really felt like it was everyone. Now, we don't know the exact number of how many came out. No, but nobody really talks about that in any, in any form of uh, specificity. But I'm sure it would not be an exaggeration to say that it would be in the thousands, even the tens of thousands, that came out to hear John preach. And, and in this, we notice another thing about the fact that John was in the wilderness. John wasn't in their cities and towns. He didn't go in there to preach. He, he was out in the wilderness. They had to come out to him. As these people came out to hear this strange preacher out in the wilderness, they needed to leave their daily lives to do it. Now, is it always some, uh, necessary for someone to take a break from their daily life to hear from God? No, not always. Are there times, though, where we might need to have an interruption in the regular pattern of life in order to be introduced or maybe reintroduced to Jesus? Quite likely, at certain times at least, that could be helpful. The people that were coming out to hear John preach, came away from the things that they had, the life that they were leading, to focus their attention on this preaching that was a preaching of needing to repent from sin. That's what they were hearing. I mean, this guy John, isn't, you know, he wasn't saying, hey, come on, follow me out in the desert, and I'm going to show you the key to living a great life. In fact, the best life you can have, come join me, and I'll tell you how everything's going to be great. That's not what he was doing. 
What was his preaching like that would draw so many out to come to him, to hear him tell them, hey, you're a bunch of rotten people. <laughs> hey, do you think I should try that tactic? Just state it bluntly. Hey, you're a bunch of rotten people. You want to come back again and hear me say it again next week, or in a few weeks, I guess, in this case. You know, the reality is, maybe, maybe we might come out to hear a comedian who's rude to the audience and, and criticizes the audience and we can laugh about it. You know, there are a few comedians who, that's their approach, telling jokes, and we laugh about it. But, but this was serious. This wasn't a comedian that people could just laugh off. His effective preaching told people, you need forgiveness. Of course, that wasn't the only part of his message. He told them about the possibility of being forgiven. And the message was so compelling that thousands of people came to hear, and many of them responded. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. Now, it might be easy to just glance over this statement that people were confessing their sins. I certainly haven't spent a lot of time thinking about it, but imagine that. Were these people really telling their sins, their faults, their failures, right there in front of other people? We seem to get the idea that they were. They, they were acknowledging right there how terrible they had been. Well, we're trying to get Jesus introduced here, right? We're trying to get to him. And we are going to get to where Jesus is introduced. But John is the herald, the forerunner of Jesus' ministry, and their work fits together. As John is preaching about the forgiveness of sins, that sets the stage for Jesus to come into the world, to begin his, his ministry of preaching and healing, that which he did when he was alive on earth, physically uh, present, um, it also prepares us to see him in our lives also. And we have one more detail about John that might help us here as well. And just picture what's going on as Jesus is introduced. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. Uh, this clothing was made of camel's hair, so first of all, it wasn't camel's hide, uh, but clothing woven from camel's hair. Now, I don't imagine that was, that was probably a very popular uh, thing to wear, or that it was the most comfortable clothing. Uh, it was probably very cheap and very simple. The leather belt around his waist was also pretty simple. Now, one of the details that maybe you remember, uh, that maybe is remembered by many of the simplicity of his simplicity, is the simplicity of his diet, locusts and wild honey. Have you ever stopped to imagine yourself with that regular diet? Uh, you might say, well, the honey part sounds really good, but locusts? Um, well, I can tell you from experience, since locusts are, are you know, just a type of grasshopper, that, you know what, they're really not bad when they're roasted. Uh, they actually taste pretty good. And uh, now, I will say, uh, that has not ever been the main part of my diet. So, you know, for John, you know, that was a little bit different. It's a simple life, though. But it's not just the simplicity that strikes us here. This outfit that John is wearing is the outfit of a prophet. And it would certainly come to people's minds, as Mark was telling this, of a particular prophet. This place where John was baptizing that was probably not very far from where the prophet from long ago, Elijah, 
had been taken back up into heaven without dying, in fact. Elijah was a pretty straight-talking prophet also. And there are other times in Scripture where Elijah is mentioned and, and Jesus makes it clear those prophecies are connecting Elijah's ministry and John's ministry. And when we think about Elijah, one of the biggest things that we might remember from his life is three and a half years that the land spent without rain. And the whole country was essentially a wilderness. So there's a connection there between these prophets. This image is important as Jesus is being introduced to us. This image of simplicity is important because it links John and through him, Jesus, to the messages of repentance and forgiveness that came all through Jewish history up until this point. And Mark gives us a little bit of John's message that, that continues to help introduce Jesus. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. The, pro the prophets in the Old Testament were powerful messengers transmitting God's word to the people. John continued that role as a powerful messenger, transmitting God's word to people. And we can see the effectiveness that God gave that ministry as we see all, as we see all the people who came out to hear him. But this is about all the time that Mark spends on John. John wasn't there to build himself up, to build up a following, to build up a legacy for himself. He had one purpose, one purpose only, and that was to usher in the one who was so much greater than he was. So much greater was this one who would come after him that John didn't even see himself as worthy to do the most basic, the lowest job of a servant for him. He was not even worthy to stoop down and untie his sandals. And this is the comparison that John makes. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Now, this is not to say that baptism with water and receiving the Holy Spirit are different things or happen at different times. This is simply highlighting the difference between John or any other human preacher or teacher and, and Jesus. The difference between anybody else and Jesus. The only part that John can play in the lives of these people is to baptize them with water. Any spiritual significance that is connected with that baptism is only the work of God. Only God can do that. John can only do the physical water part of baptism. The one that he is announcing, who is greater than he is, can do what only God can do. He can give the Holy Spirit and work through the Holy Spirit in the lives of individuals. Now, this would most fully be done only after Jesus returned to heaven, but any repentance and faith that happen either before or after Jesus' life only happen through the work of the Holy Spirit. Mark, through John's words, is introducing Jesus as the one who can deliver the Holy Spirit to, ours, to us into our lives. The Holy Spirit is God, and the only one who can send him or deliver him is God himself. That's who John is introducing 
That's who Mark is introducing to us. That's who we get to meet in Jesus, God himself. So we transition, excuse me, we transition now, after not so many verses about John, to Mark's actual introduction of Jesus himself. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Now, Mark doesn't tell us anything about Jesus' life and what it had been like before this. He simply says that he came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John. Now, why was Jesus baptized, we might ask, if he is God and he had not done anything wrong? Why was he baptized by John? Well, as with anything dealing with God and his nature, how Jesus is both God and human, how he relates to our human condition, I would say that the answer is not entirely clear. But we get the sense from reading the stories of Jesus and the writing about his life after that time, that in his baptism he identified with us and our sinful, rebellious condition. It becomes clear that Jesus was not baptized because of his need in the following verses. Mark makes that clear right now. He says this, Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. There are a few other places where we hear of heaven being opened and of somebody being able to see into heaven in a a way. How many people saw this sight in particular, we're not sure. A voice accompanied that sight, and at least we know that John also heard the voice. So there was a vision of heaven being opened, there was a voice that spoke, and John at least, Jesus and John, at least the two of them, uh, witnessed this, maybe many more as well, we don't know. The Spirit, meaning of course the Holy Spirit, descended on Jesus like a dove. This event in Jesus' life begins his ministry. Now, we don't have much recorded about his life before this. Really, only one incident from his childhood other than his birth. We get the idea that it was a pretty quiet, normal life. Not much uh, out of the ordinary, except, of course, that he was perfect, so that would have maybe stood out, but a normal life. People in Nazareth simply knew him as Joseph's son, a carpenter like his earthly, or we might say his stepfather. This is where Jesus, this event now, his baptism, is where Jesus begins being out in public, teaching, performing miracles. It begins in this event where he identifies with us and where he is guided by the Holy Spirit. This also is a mystery to us since we understand that Jesus is God, so why does he need the Holy Spirit's guiding? Well, again, that's not entirely clear, but again, we're not going to understand all of that. But we do have a beautiful picture of the Trinity. We have Jesus, who has been baptized. We have the Holy Spirit descending on him, and then we have this voice that is clearly the voice of God the Father, the Trinity, three persons in one God. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love, with you I am well pleased. We read in the stories from the Bible before this time from the Old Testament where God refers to a person or people as his son. When the nation of Israel is in Egypt, enslaved, 
and God is announcing that he will bring them out of Egypt and save them, he calls them as a nation, his son. There was a purpose that this nation was meant for, but it could not fulfill that purpose because its people kept turning away from God. King David, living a thousand years before Jesus, was promised that he would always have a descendant ruling as king. God said that he would treat this descendant, whoever it currently was on the throne, as his son. God would treat him as his son. But each of these sons would also fail. Some in very disastrous ways, even leading the people into wrongdoing, and others simply in ways that they needed to repent of. But all of them failed. Here now, though, we have God announcing that Jesus is his son, different than the others. Not someone who would fail. This is his son with whom he is well pleased. Here is God's perfect son who would do the work that his son needed to do. He was the son who would bring forgiveness to the world. He is the one who brings salvation to the world and also brings forgiveness to each of us individually. As in his baptism, Jesus identifies in some way with us rebellious people. So in our scripture reading this morning, as we heard that, we heard that we, in our baptism, are connected to him and his work, his perfect work for us. Through Jesus, we receive repentance, forgiveness of sins. As we think about Jesus being revealed to the world, being introduced to the world, we thank God that he has been introduced to us. And we pray that he would continue to be reintroduced to us as we continue to need him in our lives. As Mark introduced Jesus to us, he introduced John, who met people in the wilderness of rebellion and brought them a message of forgiveness of sins. Mark briefly summarized John's message as a message pointing to Jesus as the place where forgiveness of sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit would be found. And then Mark moved to Jesus himself, declaring to us that Jesus comes to us, that he is God's Son, who has the power and authority to perfectly please God on our behalf. There is so much more that we can discover about Jesus in Mark's writing, which we will look at in some of the coming weeks. There's so much more that we can discover in the rest of the Bible as we read about God, about Jesus. But as we think about what we had this morning, what a wonderful introduction that Mark has given us to who Jesus is and what he does for us. And we will hear a little bit more in a few moments as we prepare for communion as well. Let's pray. Father, thank you for introducing Jesus to us. Thank you that we get to know him, that we get to know your son, who through baptism connected himself with this rebellious people that we are. And uh, thank you that we get to be connected to Jesus and the salvation that he has won for us with his life and death and resurrection. Thank you that we get to know him, and through him that we get to know you. 
Thank you, and I ask that you would help to reintroduce everything that we need of you, of Jesus, in our lives each day. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.